Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you about the latest in mixed martial arts, which includes recapping UFC 286, which took place this past weekend in London, England. We have a still champion in Leon Edwards who defended his uh, welterweight title over Kamaru Usman. Justin Gagey defeated Ha... Rafael Fiziev in the co-main event. I really want to dive into both of those. And, of course, the trickle effect from big, big fights like those. You know, What's the winner going to do? What's the loser going to do? We're going to cover all that. The bonuses, the attendance, the drama, everything. And we'll be right back again. MMA Junkie Radio on a Sunday night for your Monday, March 20th delivery. Well, a few things here. First of all, thank you to everybody that tuned in to our UFC 286 watch along this past Saturday. We had a blast doing it, as always. I think Goz's ass has recovered because it was in the same spot for six hours. So he's finally uh, back to normal. I'll let him comment on that at some point. And, you know, lots of stuff went on this weekend, man. It was the beginning of the March Madness tournament. And the reason I can say that is because there's a lot of people that just really don't like basketball, but they get in these brackets, these pools, and have fun with friends, and that's exactly what we did. So anyway, that, along with St. Patty's Day, hopefully it was a fun time for everyone. And, uh, you know, back to the grind, back to normal life. Uh, all right, goes. UFC 286 in the books. Leon Edwards defeats Kamaro Usman by scoring 38 <laughs> No, no, you got to clear up the thing about my ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it goes. You did not move from that same spot for six hours. Why is that? Because I sat in a chair that was shaped like the greater than sign, I guess, if you tilted it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I got in a position where I was scared that when I stand up, I might get some kind of cramp or something really bad would happen. Mm -hmm. And we were packed in because we were in a different studio. Same. Sticky Paw Studio, but just different studio within the studio. Mm -hmm. And they just have these weird couches, man. Even John, when he sat down, he was like, dude, I'm getting rid of these. Said his back was all sweaty. I go, I was thinking, that's the least of your concern, man. Sitting there for a while and see what happens. But yeah, at the end, uh, I wanted to be on the other end of one of them tug of wars from Battle of the Network Stars. Like someone just pulled me out that way. But yeah, that's what happened to my ass. Goes look like he was. A guy uh, that's going down the, um, you know, at the Olympics, the ski jump. You know how they're in the squat position? That's what kind of goes look like. Yeah. It was pretty funny. And I, I'm a sweaty bastard, and I, I wasn't too uncomfortable in him. And I'm obviously bigger than you guys. And He said it was instant. Like, he'd only been there for, like, five minutes. And he's like, my back is so sweaty. Oh. I don't know. I didn't have that problem, but. All right. So Leon Edwards defending defended his title against Kamar Usman. The scores were 48-46, 48-46, 47-47. So he won a majority decision. The reason we got 48-46 is uh more than likely this was well, not more than likely, it was likely. 
two judges actually had it four rounds to one for Leon Edwards, which is normally a 49-46 score. But they took away a point because of him grabbing the fence uh, repeatedly. And so Herb Dean took away a point. So even the other score, I guess, was 48-47 for Leon Edwards. And taking the point away, you came out with a 47-47. And remember, if another judge had scored like Lethaby, that was his name, the one that gave the 47-47, Leon Edwards would have retained his title. It technically would have been called a uh, title retention, I believe, versus a title defense. But I, I look at it as a title defense because one way or another, you did enough to, to keep your belt, so you defended it. And, uh, well, we didn't have that problem. You know, four rounds to one on two judges' scorecards. Impressive work by Leon Edwards. Fun fight goes. I thought it was pretty compelling. Both guys kind of answered those questions that we had going into the fights. And, uh, I, I, I mean... I don't want to say I want to see him again because we've only seen him three times, but I'm looking forward to both guys fighting again, whoever they may be. And maybe in three years, if they lock horns again, which is what Usman plans to do. He didn't say three years, but he wants to do it again. Leon Edwards clearly said, no, 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 I'm moving on. Uh, I would enjoy it because the, these guys, like I say, they, they, they just entertain me, man, for those 25 minutes. Yeah. So I, I actually thought about this a little bit more today. And I don't know why this didn't bother me as much when we were watching the fight, but the fence grabbing, I started thinking about it. It's a title fight where you have to grab onto just about every hair, like when it comes down to a judge's scorecard or whatever. And I started thinking, should Usman be more mad about that? Because if he does complete that takedown, it's early in the fight, earlier in the fight. And if he can kind of just take the wind out of Leon Edwards, right? Just stay on top of him. Who knows what kind of emotions go through Leon Edwards? You know, I, I'm back again in the same problem that I had in the first two fights. Uh, who knows where his confidence goes? Who knows what Kamaro could have done damage-wise? I'm wondering if we should be talking more about that. I haven't heard too much about that. I get it. A point was taken away. Mm -hmm. But shit i mean i think there's something to be said about what could have happened that does kind of suck now i don't know that you can do much about that mm -hmm. you gotta take away two points right like but uh that is something that kind of made me think a little bit more past that now aside from all that great fight it just looked like they switched roles in the second fight you know from the get-go from the very beginning Mm -hmm. You could see in Leon Edwards' eyes, his demeanor, he was just a different fighter. And as the fight went on, you saw in Camaro's eyes what, what we saw in Leon Edwards' eyes towards the end. You know, he just he just kind of seemed a little overwhelmed and just out of his league. We never see that at Camaro Cam, uh, Os Osborne. That's what I called him. Camaro Usman. Mm. Okay, so the first thing you said... I don't think there's just too much we can do. Is it fair? You know, well, the guys, there's ways to manipulate the rules in every sport. The other day I was watching a Manchester United game and somebody had a breakaway and Luke Shaw just clearly comes out, boom, trips him. Homeboy falls down, but it allows the Manchester United defense to reset. And Luke could do that because he wasn't the last guy and they weren't near the goal. It was just kind of like a purposeful trip. And he knew that he was getting a yellow. He kind of like, all right, you know. But he, he did what he needed to do to save that defense. Mm -hmm. and Or at least not even put himself in a position where, you know, something could happen. Um, anyway, so here in this case, if fighters kind of start to add up and put two and two together and basically say, well, we're going to hold the fence because I'd rather get a, the warning. Maybe it's a, a passive warning or B the point deduction, but yet with four minutes left on the clock. And I'm not sure exactly when that one happened, but I'm giving you an example. Mm -hmm. If with four minutes on the clock, you're not to be under a beast. It may actually pay off for you, you know? Um, and I think what's going to happen, going back to Asunso and Davy Grant last week, and then this week, 
I think ABC, when they meet up again and talk about the unified rules of MMA, it will be addressed. I'm not saying there'll be a change, but there might be a change. For one, there could be the old, um, I'm going to leave you in that position, and I still take the point away. Mm-hmm. You know, Or a position, right? Like just a go-to position. Yeah, there might be a standard position of the guy that was holding the fence. You know, they're, they're going to argue, well, I wasn't all the way down. Are you going to put some guy completely on top of me? Right. Who knows? But basically, they're going to do something so that that stops happening. And it kind of reminds me of the grounded opponent rule. When guys, remember about 10 years ago, everybody was putting their two hands down. And so then they had to make adjustments. Like it either had to be your knuckles or your palms so that you didn't have the ability to just boop, pop back up, you know, and kind of play that game like your offensive lineman kind of getting into a three-point stance. You actually had to have more of a commitment of your body being being that way. Uh, so, you know, there's, like I say, there's little tweaks that, that, that do come up. So I just think Leon Edwards was the better fighter on Saturday night. I'm not saying that this wouldn't have made a difference. It may have. I don't know. But the reason it didn't get talked about much goes, I think, is because we just basically dealt with it with the rules we have, and that's it. There's really not too much else you could ask from a ref other than what I just said. Mm-hmm. It's just not in the rule book for them to handle it that way. Now, well, aside, aside from that. discussed it. I take it back. We discussed it there, and Eric Nixick said that he has seen it or or something like that. We need to follow up on that and see if that is, in fact, uh, a way that, Herb or Keith Peterson could have dealt with it. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. Well, aside from that, Leon Edwards looked fantastic. He looked like he could have beat anyone in the world that night, the way he fought that fight. Uh, you have to give him his props for that. Kamaru Usman, I don't know what to say about his performance because we've never seen him really look like that. Um, but at the same time, it, it's not. it's so hard to say that maybe he lost a step or something just because Leon was so great. You know, like I think he would have done that to just about anyone. Right. And where I think Kamaru, where, where, what he might regret is maybe standing for too long. And yeah. his attempts to get the fight to the ground were too far and few in between. I think he should have gone to it sooner. And I think he should have done it more often. At the expense of your gas tank, sure. But Kamaro has proven he's pretty damn strong for 25 minutes, no matter what. But but I just think this was contested too much on the feet. And I don't want to take anything away from Usman's game. He he's shown before, like I've pointed out pre-fight, breaking Colby's jaw. You know, he's got power knocking out Masvidal, giving him his first knockout loss. You know, he can throw some hands now. Trust me, I, I I'm well aware of that. But I just think that's more the world where Leon wants to be. You know, you could tell, man, when he was on the ground, he was he was thinking and everything he had trained for the last six months, he was going through the motions and applying it and getting up. He had no interest in the ground. In fact, I don't even remember Leon really wanting to keep the fight. To the, I think there may have been one attempt that, that Leon did. There was. That looked more like to just put it in, in Kamaro's head versus this is some real offense I'm throwing at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I thought he looked tremendous, and now I'm curious, like, what do you do? with Because it's such a cluster, right? But what do you do with Kamaru Usman after this? How do you handle that? Where do you put him? Because he's been so dominant. You know, it's a guy that we've talked about being perhaps the greatest welterweight of all time, right? Yeah. Right on GSP's heels. Now what? If like really look at it from a business standpoint of you're the UFC. Do you want this guy just picking people off? Well, uh, okay, I'm gonna pull up the USA Today Sports MMA junkie rankings, and we're just gonna go one by one because it's a clusterfuck, man. This whole welterweight division. We didn't know this when we left you guys on Wednesday night for Thursday morning show. We didn't know that Kobe Covington was the backup. And so he weighed in when Leon and Kamara weighed in. He weighed in at 170. 
So he made championship weight. And if anything would have happened to one of the two, Colby would have subbed, which would have sucked if it was Usman versus Covington again. But no sense in talking about it. It didn't happen. But I just thought it was a stupid decision to have him there. I thought Bilal Muhammad definitely was war- was more worthy of being a sub because he's earned that spot. He's been more active. He's got an eight or nine fight winning streak. I got it right here in front of me. So, uh, yeah, because that one was a no contest. Eight. Got four, eight. yeah, eight fights in a row. <clears throat> Solid wins along the way. And he, you know, he, he earned that spot. And so that kind of bugged me a little bit. Now, if that ain't enough, Colby's already been told that he fights uh, Leon Edwards next, mm-hmm. which is bizarre because Dana White never talks about, he doesn't make fights on fight night. <laughs> you know how many times right. he admonished poor John Morgan or whoever asked that first question and kind of, you know, knows that that's a possibility they might get smashed, but they ask it anyway because we're all curious and Dana's done it before and then Dana has to be snarky and say, I never do that, you know, and here he goes. He did it. But so this, this guy's next and that's just stupid. I don't get it. And the reasoning he gives is like, look, man, the guy showed up. He made weight. But give us some more backstory. Like, was that offered to Bilal? Did Bilal say no? If 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 that's the case, then maybe I can kind of understand. But he's just the rightful guy. Like, I really don't understand what, what the deal is. Him, Benil Dariush, I, I don't get why there's these certain fighters. Um, even with Benny, maybe you could say, all right, he's a quiet dude. He doesn't really look the part. Bilal's got a great personality. He's great on the mic. They're both fun to watch. Why do they keep getting the shaft like that? I don't know. And it really, really bothers me because I try and cover the sport consistently. Um, and the blue, when the blueprint works and it's beautiful and there's a guy that's a clear-cut number one contender, guy or gal, and then he's next, it's just this it's this great process that we love to see in sports. Um, you know, how many times do you remember Michael Jordan just getting beat up by the Detroit Pistons? And then finally he gets over on them. Remember when the Pistons wouldn't shake hands and shit. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, he goes on to win titles. It's like a mantle gets passed from the Lakers in Boston in the eighties to the Detroit Pistons to the Chicago bulls. You know what I mean? It, it it happens that way. And I've seen it in sports. I've seen it also in, in football as well. A team will come ju- come up just short, you know, and then they, the next year they're able to push through and win a Super Bowl or something. And here it's just like either what have you done for me lately or have you been bitching about your contract? You know, like um, do we just like you? Can you sell? It's It makes zero sense. Colby Covington hadn't fought in over a year. And yet he's next. Like he beat Jorge Mazadal. That was a solid win. I won't take that away from him. Right. But the fight before that, he lost to Kamar Usman. So, like, right. there's no run here. There's no, like, but he's won five of six um, or four in a row. And even then, five of six, seven of eight, it's still not eight in a row like Bilal Muhammad has done. Mm-hmm. And what do they not think and say, Okay, obviously this probably won't happen, but if it does, and somehow Edwards can't fight, we're just gonna throw these guys, Usman and Kobe, for the third time. Like, uh, you know, like, uh, what's the incentive there? I, I could see Usman going, I, what? I mean, I, I'm gonna do this, and both Usman and Edwards said they didn't even know. That's another. That to me is bullshit. Now I know Dana White will say our guys are supposed to be ready. Well, yeah, I guess a fight's a fight. You know, we're, we're proving who the toughest is in a certain weight class. But I still think there's something to be said for um, knowing beforehand and there, thereby maybe getting some reps in, studying a certain guy, just in case this does happen. Yeah, that's that's weird. That, to me, is like like WWE. You just hear the music and the guy comes out of nowhere and you go, what the fuck? Like, right. That That's just not right. It's dumb. It's it's amateur hour, man. And that's what makes me mad is, again, most of the time I'm defending the UFC. I'll be watching March Madness and everybody will tell me, you know, these arenas are full and the sports books are full and college basketball is a billion dollar industry. And 
how about your sport, George? What's going on with them? Oh, yeah, man. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're coming along too and this and that. But, but in reality, I'm also knowing that we're the Muppet show at times. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was the Muppet show. Um, and Bilal Muhammad for sure would have done that. In my opinion, at least that's how he's acting on social media. And guess what? If not Bilal Muhammad, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily Colby's the next one down. I suppose because Burns and Masvidal are locked up, but I don't know. This 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 stinks. It, it stinks. And so now Colby, even worse than that, is Colby's next. Because we kept saying, well, what if Masvidal does something great against Burns? Mm-hmm. So you got the storyline of three piece in a soda and then respect to Edwards. But Edwards would probably be like, yep, because that guy is a pay-per-view draw, Jorge Masvidal. You know right. what I mean? So why wouldn't he, A, want to reve- uh, revenge the three piece in a soda and B, also get the biggest payday possible? Like, I think Edwards has has kind of earned that. You know what I mean? The Definitely. At least be in the discussion. Maybe the UFC calls all the shots or whatever, but. I think they need to kind of like talk it over with Edwards as a group. They all huddle and they can all point out what makes sense and what doesn't. If I'm Edwards, I'd be pissed right now. I'd be like, what? Like, you know, and and Edwards also was very mature and professional in the way that he described it. He goes, man, he goes, man, all the stuff that I had to do, my journey to get here. And this guy just slides right in. He goes, you know, this, this, this don't make sense. His journey was horrible, by the way. Huh? His journey was horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible the way so many things, you know, worked out. But now he's there and he's doing great and the crowd went nuts and it was an it was epic fight, epic main event. Oh man, don't get me started too because again, I think he said we broke the record for the O2 Arena and you know, the the place was popping. It's it's one of my favorite places to come. London, the food, the people. You know, the vibe. Oh, okay, cool. Let's get to the bonuses. All right, cool. So, fight of the night, Gagey and uh, Fiziev, right? And then performances of the night go to uh, Gunnar Nelson and... No, sorry. Yeah, no, it is Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson and Jake Hadley. And then everyone's kind of like, and? You know, like, are you going to... This is where you tell us you're probably just going to bonus them all because you did it last year in London. So why not do it this time in London? You know, every everything you wanted sold out. The you know, the, so the gate did well. The arena brought it. The fighters brought. There's other guys that finished on this card. Why aren't they getting it? Well, it's. I mean, how many times do we say? There's one word we always go back to. It's consistency. Right. Lack he, oh, I mean, it's. Uh, it's frustrating, man. It really is frustrating. And I have, I don't get one dime of it. It's not like I get anything. I just, I imagine the fighters think it too, but the fighters can't really voice it because they're just, uh, you know, they're just kind of along there for the ride. And usually, you know, when they voice it, when they're retired or at the end, everyone's all pissed off and they know they're on their way out and they're all pissed. But guess what else goes? Last year, by the way, was a fight night. This was a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You know, so like even in fact, I don't even think Dana was there last year. I can't remember if he was. I don't think he was. I don't even think he was there last year, and he was there this year. But from Vegas, he just phones it in. Yeah, give him all a bonus, man. It was rocking and rolling. I could feel it on TV on my big screen. But there, being in person, he just sat there and watched it all happen, and then just went four bonuses. We're good. Yeah, it's nuts. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But the, yeah, we're uh, I'm getting off topic here. Um, so yeah, Edwards gets Covington next and you had, you had originally said a two part thing. What's next for Usman? Um, look, they all say the same thing, right? I gotta go home and hug my daughter and think it over and huddle up and this and that. But see, Usman goes is a competitor and I could see Usman. This is really going to eat up at him because like he said all week, I basically was owning you in fight number two up until you won it. I basically had shut you down. You know, we were just kind of cruising to the finish line. And I got careless, and you threw that kick. And in fight number one, I dominated you in that. So what's Usman going to do? I mean, okay, let's go one by one. He can't fight Covington because Covington's next for Edwards. Bilal mm-hmm. Muhammad, they told us there at the uh, at the event, he's next for Hamzat Shemaev already. And by the way, if I'm hearing that, if I'm no, he's, uh, 
he's uh Shavkat. Shavkat, sorry, you're right. Uh Shavkat, yeah. And Burns is locked up with Masvidal. So uh Steven Thompson, Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque. I, I, I is that gonna get Kamaru Usman excited? Probably not, but he's two and oh against Masvidal, two and oh against um Colby Burns was a tough fight for him because they were former training partners. So, you know, maybe maybe is this the time to maybe just try one fight at middleweight because his boy's out, you know, Izzy's out and just hey, I, just give me a, give me a tough middleweight and I'll, and I'll fight them. I actually thought about something, George. And right now it popped in my head again cuz he said his boy. Now that he's not champ do you think a little bit of being friends with Francis and gone who's going to come back to hurt him? The same way we all feel it bled over into Kevin Lee's life, right? Mm-hmm. And they just shared an agency. How do you think it might hurt him? Uh, just make him sit around, give him matchups he doesn't like. Couldn't do it before because he was, you know, he was the champ. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it affected him this fight? Well, no, because you got to give him the rematch, right? He was winning four yeah. rounds. Uh, you know, it's possible because I we, this, look at the way we just talked about the UFC the last 10 minutes about how just unreasonable, how dumb they can be. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I could see that happening. But I, from what I remember, they seem to be pretty cool. So um, I, I, I think it'll just be, you know, whoever's kind of available and ready to go when they need it. So they got that board. I think they caught or the room, they caught the war room. They got the board. And when things are going smooth and everything's mapped out, it's like, cool. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, either an injury happens or a sequence of events where they find themselves a little bit, you know, short on some bodies. And that's when they have to pick up the phone and go, Hey, listen, bro, we'll tack on another hundred grand or 500 grand or we need you to do this. And they call the fighter. If the fighter's ready to go, they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe there'll be something like that just pops up for Kamar Usman that makes him go, okay. And then that's where Usman goes, I'm doing you a solid. Can I get a title shot if I win? And Leon loses to Colby because I beat Colby. You know, and that's where all of a sudden these these payoffs take place. These favors get paid off. So, I don't know. I mean, that to me would be horrific if somehow Bilal won. Puts his quarter on the arcade machine yet again, waits for Covington and Edwards, and let's say Covington wins and they give it to Usman over Bilal. Oof, like, you know, like they you just imagine? stepped over. Like it's kind of happening with Benny. So it's not like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I think Benny's in an identical spot with like eight in a row. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it'll be like a veteran probably not luke because they used to train together so i could see uh it's such a tough sell when you kamara usman's in trouble neil, right now jeff neil he, maybe uh he's fought the guy at the top three times he's fought the guy that's about to fight the guy at the top twice he's fought masvidal uh twice hasn't he mm-hmm. like all the guys that are in the mix he's or like you really have to put him in a situation where you can sell something a little strange, right? A fourth fight or a third fight that doesn't need to happen. Like he's just in a really, really rough spot right now. Yeah, I would say Jeff Neal or go to middleweight and just test it. Uh-huh. Right now, Pejeda's gonna fight Israel Adesanya. If Israel Adesanya wins, you just do your middleweight fight and then you come back down, see how welterweight shakes out. Maybe Colby's champ, and then all of a sudden you go, Hey, wait a minute, I own two wins over that guy. Let's do this. Um, or if Pajeda beats Izzy, well, then Izzy has to sit on the sideline until someone can beat Pajeda. Um, and maybe Usman can re- make a run at him. Who knows? Um, but for Edwards, that that's just the star of the night. You know what I mean? Like he he's the one that's got all kinds of options. He's got a big money fight waiting for him with Masvidal. He's got, I mean, look, I, I don't even want to say Kobe's a chump or anything like that. I don't want to sound like that. I like Kobe. It's just he's had his run. We've supported him when it was his time, but just right now isn't his time. It's Bilal Muhammad's time. But I will say that Kobe versus Edwards would probably be, it wouldn't be a blockbuster, but I think it would probably be something people would look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I think people would be down with that. 
Yeah, I mean, so the way Edwards he thought. All kinds of options. And it sounds like he wants to, you know, fight while he's healthy and young. Got to stay healthy. That's the thing. He's got so many options. Um, and if he looks as great as he did in this last fight, he could make something happen up there. Yeah. Um, congrats to Leon Edwards. This is his first title defense. And congrats to London. I, I could tell from watching the fight with Goes at the Sticky Paws studio that it was pretty much rocking and rolling. And Dana's right. I, I would love to get to a London show uh, sometime, especially some sort of a, a pay-per-view. I, I've had that, you know, since they've even started going. But, you know, when it really, really came into play, Goes was just watching Fury and Klitschko. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, or, or even watching like FA Cups or um Wembley looks amazing. The, the, the Carabao. Yeah, dude. They they just really, really go out for anything that has to do with Wembley or sporting events. You know, we've had the 2012 Olympics over there. Uh, I think they're gonna host another World Cup soon. They they just really know how to do it, man. They you know, and, and I watch Premier League. The stadiums are rocking and rolling every weekend, no matter what, no matter what the event. Yeah. All right. In the co-main event, Justin Gagey defeated Rafael Fiziev. It looked like it was not going to be Gagey's night. Fiziev was fast, accurate, and hit him pretty hard. Leg kicks, kicks to the body, punches, everything. But about halfway through, Justin Gagey told him, I ain't going nowhere. I'm still here. And even though he looked, you know, the slower of the two, he was the more durable of the two. And the tide started to turn. However, I will say this. I don't want to take anything away from Justin Gagey's win. It was a solid win. And I don't even think I've heard Fazeev say anything about this. But that eye poke, you know, you did see Fazeev kind of swatting at his eye a little bit. You know, it, it, it happened, okay? And Gaethje capitalized, and I remember hit him a couple times, and I think that helped with the downfall. Now, even if the other book doesn't happen, I think Gaethje still wins, but I I felt like it was a, a, some sort of a turning point. A lot of people are saying that the damage came from that. It was already there. Go back and watch. It was already kind of bleeding before that. Um. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get poked in the eye, it's going to suck. But uh, but I didn't see him swiping at the eye until after the eye poke. Perhaps, yeah. But uh, damage was was there, I believe you guys. Um, But it the the eye poke is something that it it takes a second. I wish fighters could get that little break, which I guess they can now. Yeah, where they can go and kind of like just squirt water in your eyes and be able to rub it out a little bit, maybe give the guy a towel. And I think it could maybe help out some, but some fighters want to, you know, they sense they smell blood or they sense that the, that the tide might turn if it doesn't happen. But I think that's way better than still kind of wincing and blinking and not being all together there when another guy's freaking throwing, you know, leather at you like that or kicks. Hell no. Yeah. that That's weird, man. Cause where do you criticize Fasiv? Like what he did? He didn't really do all that much bad. His mm-hmm. defense obviously can use some work, mm-hmm. um, but they were throwing bombs. Like he landed his best punches on Justin Gagey. Mm. He 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 had a decent game plan. I think it was just all about Justin Gagey being better, having better fight IQ in this fight for once. Yeah, um, he started going up the middle with uppercuts and. And um, he really, really hurt him with that collar tie and, and and just landing punches right up the middle. The uppercut was right on the money. He was patient because there were times where he probably would have gotten wrapped into a firefight had it been another fight. I think there's times where he said, okay, I can't let it get to that. And then the leg kicks were pretty, pretty dominant, and he started those early. Mm. So I, I thought that was just an amazing performance from him. And you can tell by the matchmaking – what they wanted to happen in that fight. And I think there was a little bit of a chip on Justin Gagey's shoulder because he probably realized that too. Possibly, yeah. This could have been basically the anointing of Rafael Fiziev. Mm-hmm. And instead, Gagey still you know, said, no, nah, not on my watch. It's not going to happen. 
I, I've always felt like Gagey is a favorite of the organizations, especially Dana White, but who knows? What I can yes, tell no. you is Gagey is seems a little bitter, man. And I've seen this with, with a lot of fighters, but when he was talking to Daniel Cormier, he goes, and I hope hopefully you guys will shut the fuck up now. I wrestled. And then he goes, oh, not the fans, because he started getting booed. Not the fans, uh, either the media or the critics. And I heard a lot of people say that, right, including us. Mm-hmm. Well, you won, didn't you? So maybe that did have something to do with it, because he did it a few times, and it helped. I, I think it helped. You know, I, I still think that, dude, if you're a defense in football and the other teams constantly will say running, you know, they're even in a, in a wishbone. But then all of a sudden they throw a couple passes your way. And if you're that free safety, you you, you got to be careful, man. You've seen it a few times. You definitely don't want to get burned by that. And and so that's all we're saying is just he, those leg kicks that Gagey threw, they, I think they also helped that. He went away from him for a while. Then he came back to him. Then he went to the body. He started throwing the air. He switched a few things around. And I think also the wrestling helped. I, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier. I think the UFC does like him, but he does something that they don't like. And he's one of those fighters that likes that full camp and is not willing to just step in for no reason. Or mm-hmm. He likes to have his full camps, and I'm sure that's probably come back to bite him a few times in, his, in, in the ass, I think, probably. But but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's not like we're we're giving this critique because we want to see him lose. Like, we're all saying we think you're a great fighter. You just haven't used all of your tools. You could probably be even better. And like I said, he won. Yeah, and he looked pretty good doing it. I think so, too. I think he ticked all the boxes, and we can't wait to see him fight. And now the next time he'll fight, there'll be more buzz around it, you know, way more fans, probably more pay-per-views. But I think a lot of it had to do with him just throwing the whole kitchen sink at at Fazeev and Fazeev having to worry about a lot of things, whereas if it was just like with him and Chandler, maybe, you know, just constant hands and hands and hands, and maybe we have a different result. I don't know. Later on, he also said, you know, he was pissed at Bisping for the way he called the fight. I have to go back and listen and see, but he was very favorable towards Leon Edwards, at least according to Justin Gagey. And then they asked Justin Gagey, well, who'd you think won? He goes, well, I had it for Usman. And then he goes, but I'm probably being biased. Well, you just accused Bisping of doing the same thing, and you're not being upfront with us and, and basically being transparent about it. So that's why I'm a little confused. But a lot of these fighters, they just seem to change a little bit. And I think a lot of it is them being bitter because they focus too much on the negativity Rather than just realize it is just the we're all entitled to fucking opinions as long as we're not purposely trolling constantly being jerks or disrespectful. It's just an opinion. Swipe past it. Go to the people that that praise you if that's all you can handle, I guess. I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it, it I don't know. I, I just see it with so many fighters. So bitter man you know this 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 should be like a moment that they enjoy and they're smiling and and you the man right now you know what i mean and at that point he's like getting things off his chest still like come on yeah that that's unfortunate because i don't think it was always like that you know but i think it is uh maybe it's just listening too much to the wrong people because really i mean Look, man, there's so many people and their opinions are so close to you. All you got to do is click a button if you want to know what people think of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, before they used to have to tell you to your face. Now you just click a button and you hear it. But really, you should just just soak in the opinions of people that you respect. It's you know what the very beginning goes to of that post fight? Somebody asked him a question and it wasn't anything ridiculous at all. And he basically just took the time to think about it or whatever. And then he goes, I remember at some point he goes, you know, all you in here or something like that, you could walk a day in our shoes or, or it's like, well, you're kind of right. You know, I suppose we couldn't fight at that level. Sure. I mean, if I would have started training 30 years ago, maybe I could have been good. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of fighters kind of trip, you know, like stumble onto it and then they wind up, doing pretty good but and i'm not saying me specifically i'm just saying like 
there's a lot of people that are basically, you know, they, they have no intentions of doing MMA. And next thing you know, they do MMA and they wind up being good. So I, I don't understand that comment in terms of like why, again, the bitterness, the question was pretty respectful from what I remember. But yeah, he just said that. And we have an idea of what you go through. We see it. There's an appreciation. We're constantly begging the UFC to pay you guys more money and give you guys more respect. When you're a number one contender, you should be fighting for, you know, a title. Or when you're a number two contender, you should be fighting someone for the number one contender. You know, we're, we're constantly saying that. I, I I don't understand why that comment, like, it, I, I, I was just sitting there baffled, man. I hear that a lot, that type of opinion. And really, um, you know, is that like across the board? Like, are, do you kind of practice what you preach? Because it seems like, I don't know, have you ever gotten a cold or when, when you got COVID? How many people all of a sudden were doctors that you didn't know were doctors, right? I can't walk a mile in a doctor's shoes. Sometimes I have an opinion. Does it mean my opinion's dumb? I mean, I don't know. You can kind of research that and actually have a, a decent opinion. Politics, the military, right? We did our watch along with, with our buddy Bobby, right, for the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could walk a mile in his shoes for one day after some of the things he was talking about, right? But sometimes yeah. I have an opinion on what I believe the military should be doing or whatever. I, I just watched the Oscars and I don't think I could act like some of those actors do, you know, but I don't hear them saying that. I don't hear, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Mahomes or anyone else, you know, saying, yeah, man, Chiefs, we did it. And by the way, none of you can do what we can do. Yeah. Do you stand <laughs> up? Do you stand up in the middle of a Super Bowl party and go, guys, lay off, lay off of the other team? You don't know what it's like to play. Exactly exactly yeah i don't know um love watching the guy fight hope he fights for the title one more time before his career is over and i hope he still has fondness and love for that interim belt that you remember when he put it on the ground yeah and man that i uh, that should be just as proud of when he won the wsof title he's definitely one of the best lightweights i've ever seen definitely one of the funnest lightweights i've ever seen and Scary. hopefully he doesn't leave with this bitterness in, in him he should just be enjoying this last run that he has and, and i i see a path to maybe another title i see if Bilal loses to sorry if um benil loses to charles Oliveira, i don't think it's going to be Oliveira versus makashev i think it's going to be basically makashev versus fill in the blank i don't think it'll be the winner of chandler versus mcgregor because a i think they're going to do it at 170 and b i don't even know if they're going to fight before then so i see basically at this point poyer and gagey one of those two getting it i don't know if gagey can fight poyer and then also fight for the title that's three fights two packed in before october so um, but I think I'd love to see both of those guys fight Makashev. They both had a crack at Habib and lost, but I'd love to see them both fight Makashev and see what happens. But they also have to be realistic here. If yeah. McGregor and Chandler go, all right, we'll do it at 55, and McGregor wins, he's a player, man, because he's a pay-per-view draw. If Volkanovski goes out there and does something against Ortega and then says, all right, I'm done with the belt, now I want Makashev again, pfft. You know, Dana loved that fight. A lot of us did. And I could see them maybe wanting to run it back because he already paid attention to his division. You know, this, and, and this is if Benil loses, what Benil beats Charles Oliveira. You know, I mean, like all of a sudden, you know, he might be back up there. So too, too many things can happen to, to just, you know, jerk around. So they just got to play it right. But if there's an opening, go for it. You know what I thought during the watch along after Justin Gagey's fight? Hmm. I thought, I don't know why this this popped in my head, but it did. I thought they that man will never fight Conor McGregor ever, Thank unless you. the UFC absolutely hates Conor McGregor. I don't mm-hmm. think they'll ever make that matchup. The dude hits way too hard. The attacks to the legs. He is an awful matchup for Conor McGregor, and I know he's asked for that fight a couple times here and there. He will never get it, never, unless the UFC hates Conor for some reason. Mm. I could see that. Connor's a whole other issue, but I know we're going to discuss it on Spinning Backclick, and you can watch Spinning Backclick live every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll give you a little taste, but but McGregor, 
throughout the week, you know, they wrapped up the filming of the Ultimate Fighter, and I think we may have discussed this already, but there's been some updates since then. He's saying, I I just need two clean tests, and then I can fight. USADA came out with a statement that said, nope, it's two tests and six months of being in the program. And, and then they said, but we revert to the UFC. The UFC ultimately makes the decision. And when Dana White was asked about it in London, he said, no, nope, I'm out of it. You can ask USADA. USADA handles that. Well, basically, he's putting it back in the in the hands of the body that said, well, if it's up to us, it's two tests and six months of being in the program. So we kind of reverted yeah, to, to Nowitzki, you know, too, though. The exemption, then he, he basically shot himself in the foot. What's that? He kind of reverted back to Nowitzki, too, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky situation, man. I mean, it really is a bad, bad look. But, I mean, they've had so many that they might as well. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they did it. But yeah. to give that guy an exemption really just, oh, it's a really bad look for the sport. Let me tell you real quick that in the Edwards and Usman fight, all the judges didn't have identical scores. Two judges came up with 48-46s, but that's because Chris Lee went 10-9 four times and then Usman 10-8, whereas Ben Cartledge went 10-9 three times, and then he called it 9-9, so he had given the round to Edwards but then deducted the point. So mm-hmm. it basically is the same thing as 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 uh same score as Chris Lee. David Lethaby, he he went 10-9 Edwards, one, four, and five, and then he gave Usman 10-9 for two and 10-8 for three, and that's why he came up with 47-47. If you look at MMA decisions, Edwards basically had a lot of 48-46 scores, which is basically four rounds to one minus the deduction. And then there was about another 10 that were basically 47-47, which means three rounds to Edwards, two to Usman, minus the point deduction. And remember, if it had been two guys calling it a draw or three guys calling it a draw, it still stays with Edwards. Only two people had it 48-46 for Usman. Basically, that means 48-47 with the point deduction, but there was only two outlets out of about what looks to be maybe 30. Mm-hmm. Um so and and trust me, after Dolice and Vittori, we were like, "Whoa, whoa, there's some weird scoring going on here." I actually but, scored uh, it a draw. I, 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 on the night of, and I I still have time. I want to go back and watch it one more time. I scored it a draw. I think our website scored it a draw. Now that I think about it, but um, Usman and Edwards. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I would not have a problem if somebody said four one. Um, but I did have it being a draw at the end. Danny Segura scored it for MMA Junkie, 48-46. So did Matthew Wells. And Junkie, whoever was doing play-by-play, they gave a 48-46. Nolan King did score it 47-47. So some of the writers were turning in scores on their own. But um, three of them had it 48-46 Edwards and one had it 47-47. Yeah. In the Gagey fight, by the way, um, this one was a majority decision for Justin Gagey. Round one went 10-9 Fiziev two times. And then the other judge gave it to Gagey 10-9. So judge number one is Mark Collette. He gave Fiziev round one, Gagey round two, and then Gagey won round three. Because remember, we were sitting there going, we think it's 1-1, but we don't know. Well, guess what? One of the judges, the second judge, Paul Sutherland, he gave Fiziev the first two rounds and Gagey the last round. So Gagey was drawing dead on his card. And then Clemens Werner had it backwards of Mark Collette. He gave Gagey round one and Fiziev round two. So he was 1-1 going into round three, and and he gave Gagey uh, round three. So this very easily goes, could have been Fiziev if... um, if because because basically in round one, if it if it was the other way around, two Fazeves and one Gagey, then Fazeve would have won the fight. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's the game that we have, right? Yeah, G- Gagey actually got a ten eight out of Paul Sutherland 
that might not be a bad call because I mean th- that might be a pretty decent call because he really bothered him, battered him, excuse me. In MMA decisions, about 20 scores were for Gagey, 29-28, and about 10 scores were for Fazeev, 29-28, which basically matches what the judges did. So I think everyone should basically, you know, applaud themselves because everybody was kind of on the same wavelength. The only thing I don't see is someone in MMA decisions from any of the respected outlets going 10-8 for Gagey on round three. But again, I'm not calling that guy crazy because he really, really put it on him. There's a lot going on. Yeah, that that I'm not, I don't remember in a long time a co-main event and a main event being such a blur because it was so entertaining that you almost forget to score the round. Mm-hmm. You just watch it. Yeah, and enjoy it. That's what we're there to do. Um, Jennifer Maya defeated Casey O'Neill. Marvin Vittori defeated. Roman Delice and Duncan. Well, no, I'm actually I'm, I'm skipping around here because I'm only giving you the decision fights. Sorry about that. Gunnar Nelson defeated Brian Barberina. That was an easy one. Armbar. I stand corrected. Nelson got the finish. He did his thing. And actually, it was a thing of beauty how he worked in that last minute against the clock to zero in on Barberina, you know, going from certain positions, advancing his positions, softening him up. And then getting that arm bar was really, really nicely done. So nicely done to Gunnar Nelson. I was giving him shit for basically uh, taking the win at a last year's event. Uh, Jennifer Maya defeated Casey O'Neill. O'Neill hadn't fought in over a year, coming off a serious injury. Maya just looked good, though, man. Nice hands, great movement. It wasn't an easy target to hit. And then Marvin Vittori beat Roman Delice. So you have any comments on Nelson, Maya, or Vittori's wins? I, I do want to spend yeah. some time on Vittori, Delice, but do you have anything on Maya and Nelson beating Barbarina and O'Neill, respectively? I thought, uh, well, I mean, Nelson's was, was pretty easy. That that was just a, a thing of beauty, the way he did it. Like, he just went to his bread and butter. And um, the Maya fight, I was just so impressed by her movement yes. and her striking. You know, it's gotten, it's she's just improved. And I, like I didn't feel like um, I feel like Casey O'Neill maybe had a little bit of rust, but I don't think that's why she lost. Um, I, I think a lot of credit needs to go to Maya. Mm-hmm. And okay. then yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I think I know where you're going here in the next fight. Yeah, with Vittorio Vodolice, <clears throat> us in the room, and that included Eric Nixick, myself, Goes, and Bobby from Fight Junkies, a show that's going to launch over at Sticky Paw Studio soon. We thought Delice won, but like Go said, we weren't watching every second of every round. Although we watched 95% of it, I'm just saying nothing like how the judges are. You know, we're looking at each other as we talk. And so, yeah, you could miss something, right? But look, here are the scores. Basically, there was about, this looks to me, about 15 scores for Vittori at 29-28. About the same for Delice, 29-28. One score for Vittori, 30-27. And two scores for Delice, 30-27. But here's how the judges had it. It was Ben Cartledge, David Letheby, and Paul Sutherland. In round one, Cartledge and Letheby, judges one and two, went for Delice, 10-9. Sutherland got Vittori, 10-9. If I recall, Delice actually wobbled the Italian dream. And that's why I thought, even though the, you know, they both ended basically on their feet and, you know, be able to walk to their corner. I just thought that, you know, him staggering him like that, him hurting him, that was the most significant part of the round. And that's why I went for deletes. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a close fight, but I felt comfortable with that score at the end. And granted, there is some bias in the room, and I get that, and sometimes it can bleed over. But I remember when the when the, the scores were announced, the arena booed, right? And that, that's mm-hmm. kind of like a good feeling of where you're at. And so I thought, okay, it wasn't just us tripping. Um, but they both landed big shots. That's the thing. So, yeah, it might be one of those where you go back. Like I remember when Peter Jan uh, lost to uh, Sean O'Malley, I remember thinking this is just an absolute robbery. Then going back, I thought, well, all right, it's a lot closer than I thought. But mm-hmm. that was kind of the same thing. You know, a lot of booing, uh, a lot of people in the room kind of disagreeing. 
this one I I'll go back and watch again too. But uh, I felt pretty comfortable with what the way it, the story unfolded in our studio. Yeah. Um. Well, I I, I was the only thing I didn't like was the thirty twenty seven for Vittori. Yeah, that's wrong. That's, I just thought that was sure. a bit much. But look, here's the I'm going to continue the breakdown here. In round two, all of them went ten nine for Vittori, and I think I felt pretty comfortable with that. And we discussed that in the studio as well. And then round three, I think a lot of us felt the elites may have won that, but all three judges were consistent and they gave it to Marvin Vittori. So that's what we asked from the judges. They seem to be consistent on rounds two and three. And again, with us admitting that we don't catch every single second and they obviously have the best seed in the house, who am I to argue if if that's if those are the scores? The one I didn't like, though, was Paul Sutherland's score of Vittori 10-9 against Ro Roman Delice in, in the first round. Although it wouldn't have mattered because it still would have been 29-28. So now I just need to rewatch it just for my own personal satisfaction. That way I can be honest with myself and go, oh, yeah, it was just my lean. I probably bet I'm on a parlay or some shit. Who knows what? But, um, you know, fight's over. Marvin won. What Marvin didn't do was... It wasn't an emphatic win. Like it, it didn't get you excited for what you know what might be next. I, I thought I was expecting a finish from either guy, um, and and Vittori usually when he stomps on guys, he suffocates them. You know, he he kind of like really really delivers an ass cooking, um, and this this time that didn't happen. This fight was a little harder to judge for me because. You know, when you look at Vittori's record, his losses only come to studs. And But I feel like Roman had such a good fight and showed that he improved so much that he could be one of these future studs that we're talking about, right? And maybe Marvin just got him a little earlier. Um, but the one thing that I still don't really like about Marvin Vittori's game is that he's just willing to take a punch to, to give one of his own. And uh, you can't do that forever, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, kind of what I have felt about Gagey and Chandler and some of these guys over the years. But by the way, you got me curious. I did pull up O'Malley versus Jan just to see their scores one more time. And you know that night goes? Seven, ten. It was probably about 25 to 30 Peter Jans, either 29, 28, or 30, 27, and one O'Malley. <laughs> really? Yeah. And it was Matthew Wells, by the way, uh, our colleague who we love, but he's the only one that went O'Malley 30, 28. I guess he got it right. He should be laughing at me, but I just felt like, you know, he got that one wrong. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was a weird night, man. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never stop saying it because of this. What we just discussed, the onus is on the fighters to convincingly one win rounds. Otherwise, you're left with the possibility of being Peter Yan at UFC 281 or Roman Delice at UFC 286. You might just be that guy. You you know, empty the tank, man. More activity, more action, and and that way, uh, there's, there's there's just no doubt. Uh, okay. So the earlier fights in the night, Jack Shore defeated Makwan Americani. Chris Duncan defeated Omar Morales. Yanel Ashmos defeated Sam Patterson. Mohamed Mokayev fucking gutted it through, man. I've never seen an, a, a knee, a leg bend that far back and not tap to Jafel Filio's knee bar. And then to top it off, he comes back and gets the rear naked choke, then climbs the fence, even though he's got a wobbled wheel. Um, that dude is... <sighs> promising i hope it's not a serious injury but if it is speedy recovery but i'm already excited for the next muhammad mukaya fight and i want the ufc to get behind this guy man he he is a talented fighter uh he has a lot of what they like but they just don't seem to get behind him too much and i hope they do and, and i'm with you i hope that injury isn't too bad because uh momentum man I, I want him to gain it Lerone Murphy defeated Gabriel Santos. Christian Leroy Duncan defeated Dusko Todorovic. Jay Catley defeated Malcolm Gordon. Joanne Wood defeated Luana Carolina. Jai Herbert and Ludwig Klein fought to a majority draw. Veronica Hardy defeated Juliana Miller. One thing I wanted to say, 
I could have sworn last year I saw that bot that triggers the whole somebody's no longer in the UFC, and I could have sworn I had seen Joanne Wood's name on there. Huh? It was, but then she came, she filled in on short notice, right, or something like that. I think that's why it was. Yeah. Oh, I see here. She said she has one fight left on her contract and she wants to resign or this might have been the last one. And Dana said, we're going to sign her. We're, we love her. So I'm just I just wanted to apologize if I got it wrong. And at some point they never parted ways and I just saw it wrong. Then, you know, good for Jojo. Uh, I think she's earned her keep. She's been mm-hmm. chugging along for a few years now and, and uh, you know, seems to be a, a great representative of women's MMA. Across two divisions, because now she's at 125. She started at 115. Do you ever see her Jeep around our neighborhood? Yeah. The one with the, I think her license plate's Dr. Neville or something like that. Yeah, I don't see it a lot, but I have seen it. I've seen it a little bit more towards the rainbow side. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. That's UFC 286 uh, in a nutshell. You know, really, really fun event during the day. And uh, again, thank you to everybody that showed up for the watch along or tuned in i should say thanks derek nixick oday osborne popped in for a little while bobby from fight junkies austin our producer it was really really cool goes does a great job getting those uh, keys to victory lined up as well so that we hear from big names in the sport kind of giving us their idea of who or their breakdowns of who uh who they think might you know come out on top so that was pretty solid and then as I scan the news here, the only other thing I can think of, uh, this is big, can't leave this out, Anderson Silva in the UFC Hall of Fame. He'll be in the Pioneer Wing. Um, I'm not even going to get into it because now people are going to go, George, did his tampon fall out or what? He's just bitching. But just this should have been done a while back, but it's here, and it's great, and that's that. But uh, can you think of anyone goes that's going to go, yeah, I don't think he should have made it. I mean, well deserved. No way. No way. This dude, uh, this dude was like the representative of MMA of our sport. Like, why it grew grew so so fast at certain times? Where, um, you know how they like a uh, Kleenex or Q-tip. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just that's the first name that would come out of their mouth was Anderson Silva. Oh my god, that guy's amazing. He was amazing, dude. He absolutely deserves to be in there. Well, he did some stuff that I don't think we've seen since then. What do you mean? Well, what I'm saying is he did some stuff out there in the octagon. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I don't feel like I've seen before. Like, I've seen guys kind of move their head and clown, but like, he, it, it, it all looks so smooth and seamless, you know, like. There's been a lot of bobbing and weaving, but not everyone was like as smooth as he was. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like every fight, I don't want to sound like Dana White, but every fight he would paint a new picture. I remember Dana used to call him an artist or something like that. But yeah. the, the the presentation did a good job of showing those different highlights, you know, and he's walking back and egging Stefan Bonner to throw against the cage or when he's kind of bobbing and weaving and, Forrest overcommits and boop, he hits him with a jab. Or when he jacks up Chris Levin in his first fight and then he starts doing that little samba dance. Or then they kick right up the front to the face of Vitor Belfort. Rich like Franklin. rearranging Rich Franklin's nose. You know what I mean? Like everything was just so different. And I think that's why we all tuned in. Why this guy wasn't like some sort of a, pay, a bigger pay per view star, I'll never know. But. God damn, man. I, I can't wait to see the next Anderson Silva if there ever is one. Yeah, I don't know. There's certain uh, certain types of fighters that come along that just can't replicate. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be one of those guys. I mean, think about the balls goes to when he asked Chelsea and Hurt in that second fight. Remember he threw that knee and we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You just need a down opponent because Chelsea was on mm-hmm. his butt, remember? Yeah. And he delivered it right to the chest. That was a thing of beauty. Or in Chael Sonnen fight number one, where he's basically getting manhandled for four rounds, and then he still locks up the triangle. I mean, that's clutch. Like, that's why I say it was always some something different, and it was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. So, 
congrats to uh, Anderson Silva. Tomorrow, again, spinning back click. Check it out live, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, best way to remind yourself, you can set an alarm. You know, I want you guys to get used to because I think I've, I'm seeing a lot of the same names pop in, which tells me they like what they see, they like what they're here, and they're making it out to be there always on time and participate in the chat and hang out. And so go to youtube.com forward slash MMA junkie video. And then there's this little bell you can hit there, which kind of will give you the alert of when we're live or just set an alarm, man, for every Monday, noon, Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, tune in. I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Ariel goes, starts up right after we're done. I know the Anik and Florian podcast, they go live sometime during the middle of the day as well. So a lot of, a lot of stuff out there for you and you can kind of catch it all pretty much one right after the next. So give this a shot if you haven't. And thank you, as always, for tuning in to MMA Junkie Radio. Still got a lot more headed your way, including uh, some real cool stuff we're going to be doing for PFL because they're going to be in Vegas in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout for that. All right. We're out of here for tonight. Thanks again for everything. And uh, go out and be a champion. Talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.